Merry Christmas. Come on. Love it. Well, uh, to start off um, this morning, I uh, just, just want to say I'm really, really sorry to disappoint you this morning. I heard that Matt took a vote for me to teach in a gingerbread costume uh, last week, and the vote was unanimous, uh, and yet I didn't follow up. But the reason is, uh, is because that thing is a death trap, okay? It could double as a torture device uh, because there's no room for air, and so so I opted not to. You'll also be disappointed that had I worn the gingerbread outfit, you would have experienced the shortest message in the history of this church uh, because I would have passed out. Um, So I'm sorry for that. Um, I'm sorry for that as well. So that's how we'll begin this morning. Um, Well, just want to say Merry Merry Christmas. Um, We're here. Like this is, y'all know, this is my favorite time of the year for a lot of different reasons, but it's my favorite time of year. year I started thinking about this. I ran across as I was studying. I came across the passage and was just reminded of what the angels said to uh, the shepherds when they said, we bring you good news of great joy. We bring you good news of great joy. I think for me, if I'm honest, a lot of times it can be about a lot of different things around the holiday. I get excited uh, about walking into our house, decorated for Christmas. I love it. Uh, I think we do a really good job of decorating for Christmas. And so when I walk in, it just brings me joy. So the decorations, the presents, as uh, the Mertens were saying, of course, there's a whole lot of things. But there's something about this uh, season and celebrating this good news of the gospel that brings us not joy, but great joy, great joy. Uh, Ligon Duncan said this, he said, um, God gave us joy, and he's talking about earthly joy, like these little glimpses here on earth, earthly joy to accentuate and deepen the experience of great joy. There must be joy before there can be great joy, and we must know good before we can know better. And God designed his world of joys to prepare us for great joy in his son and his son alone. If I could, um, if I could encourage you this morning, and we'll talk about a little bit more about this at the end, but if I can encourage you this morning, I would encourage you and remind you that the gospel news is good. It is good news even when circumstances are not. It is still good. And, and, and the joy is great whether or not we want to receive it. And whether or not we are able to experience the great joy, it is still great joy in this season and in our lives because of the good news. And so we'll talk about that. I want to talk about that joy piece, specifically like what the Mertens were talking about um, this morning and how they've walked through some things that maybe they haven't been able to Uh, that finding joy is a little bit more difficult, but when they rested in the great joy, um, they found it there. So we'll talk about that um, at the end. But uh, this morning, I want to get into our passage and another person who is a part of this, uh, a part of the Christmas story that we read every single year. I had a couple people come up to me and say, wow, I never like, I never feel like I never dug that deep into uh, this story of and some of the characters of Christmas, and so we continue to do that. The last couple weeks, Matt's been leading us through this series uh, about in wonder of his love. 
We've been growing in our wonder and our understanding of who God is. And so we continue that. Here's where we've been in, in the first week. Matt talked about Zechariah, who, uh, who was revealed to him. He found this wonder of God showing up. That in his life and in this situation, God showed up for him and he was filled with awe and wonder of who God is and his faithfulness. And uh, Matt said this, in our waiting, we cannot let our wondering replace our wonder. And that was true for Zechariah. In week two, uh, last week, Matt talked about Mary, and we talked about the wonder of God using me. Imagine Mary as she gets this news from the angel uh, that she is going to be uh, give birth to the Messiah, the Son of God. And so she was in wonder of God using her. God used her in incredible ways. Matt said, um, our wonder grows when we remember that God is not limited by what you and I know. And our wonder grows because of that. And this morning, I want to move and consider Joseph, all right? And I'll say this, I think Joseph, maybe he doesn't get as much recognition uh, as he should, okay? Now, I know a lot of times when it comes to like, uh, you know, birthing uh, stories, things like that, babies being born, a part of families, you know, the guy, the guys really, they don't get a lot of attention, okay? You know, in their part for this. And I see a lot of like really uh, mad faces that are, uh, pointed towards me right now, specifically from the women. So um, that was a joke. I was kidding, but we don't talk about, we may not talk about the guy in stories like this often. Maybe Joseph is not the main figure that we pull out of the Christmas story, but I think Matthew in his gospel, I think he sees Joseph um, and I think he kind of sheds a little bit of light on Joseph's story and his role in uh, the Christmas story this season. And so what we're going to see from Joseph, we're going to see that his wonder is captured through obedience to God's ways. Joseph's wonder was found in his obedience and trust to the way that God had planned it, to the way that God had designed, to what uh, he was unfolding. So we're going to jump in, uh, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. If you've got your Bibles this morning, you can turn there. there. I hope you do, uh, because... Again, God hasn't um, told me to put the scripture on the screen, so you get the references still. Now, I will say this. Um, if you need a Bible in these uh, two white um, carts over here, uh, there are Bibles there. So I would love to see if anyone wants to get up and go get a Bible and take the walk of shame this morning. But, um, but just let you know, I'm just kidding. I, that was a joke. <laughs> that went over way better in uh, 9.15. So if, um, if you need a Bible, you are welcome to, uh, to grab those over there. They, they will not be on the screen. Uh, I know you have your handy-dandy phones too. Um, so this morning as we look at Matthew 1, 18 through 25, you're going to see that there's just, there's so little uh, about Joseph and about what he went through in this story, all right? And so what we're going to do this morning is we're really going to dig in. We're going to take this a verse or two at a time, and we're going to get this full understanding of what is happening here um, with Joseph. And we're going to kind of dig into this and ask a little bit, ask some questions about how he felt and what happened here, okay? So we're going to pull out from these a uh, couple passages, we're going to pull out a lot. So we're going Matthew 1, 18 through 25. When I look at these passages and when I began to study, um, if I can be honest, I felt a little bit like um, my wife when I come home from a day at the church and uh, she looks at me and she says, sweetheart, how was, how was your day? All right? 
And so when I'm reading through this, and there's just not a lot in here about Joseph, okay, I felt a little bit like that as I was studying where guys, our response typically when we get home and our wife asks us, hey, how was your day? What do we say? Yeah, it was fine, okay? That's all we give them. And Janice gets so upset with me for that. She's like, really? Eight hours. That's all you're gonna give me. It was fine, you know? And I was like, it was good fine, okay? It was, you know, I don't know. Uh, there was some things that happened. I can't remember anything about it, okay? And so as I look at this passage, I kind of felt a little bit uh, like her in the response where it was like, oh my, I need so much more. Like, I want so much more of detail of the story and what is going on here. And so where my response uh, to her leaves a whole lot for the imagination, um, this morning, we're going to have to, pr- I want us to pry into the story a little bit, okay? I want us to pry here a little bit at what's going on. So verse 18, Matthew 1, uh, here is, uh, here's where we're at. It says this, and I'm going to pull out a couple uh, words, maybe from some different translations to kind of get an understanding of what exactly is being said here. So verse 18 says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Now in the Gospel of Matthew, it's beautifully written, complete account that a lot of times you're going to find in Matthew, it points to the authenticity and the authority of Jesus. I believe that that was Matthew's purpose and goal as he wrote down this account. He wanted uh, to show the authenticity and the authority that Jesus had as he followed his life. This is why this one includes the genealogy of Abraham to Joseph and then into Jesus. All right, so if you look back in the first 17 uh, verses, we see the genealogy. We see the story and, and really the big picture of how this all came about. So he goes even deeper through the genealogy uh, there leading to Jesus. All right, and then he goes on to say this. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. All right, now think about this. So we'll just leave that passage up. Think about this passage, okay? Think about all of the questions that you might have from beginning of this passage to end of this passage. All the things that took place, all the conversations that had to happen, the the spread of emotions that happened throughout this one passage where his mother Mary was pledged to be married, betrothed to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. All right, think with me for just a second, all right, those who are married. Remember back, okay, remember back when you found the one, right? You talk all about this growing up. I know, like, uh, girls, you put together a, a binder with, like, all your wedding details and everything like that. Maybe, I don't know, I don't, maybe that's a thing. But you put together this, and you're waiting, like, you just can't wait uh, to meet the one that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And so Joseph had found her. He had found her. Maybe parents connected them and they found her. But Joseph had found the one, okay? Joseph had found his one. This was the one, Joseph and Mary. Mary had found Joseph, and they were excited. You think about those moments, maybe not necessarily wedding planning, right, uh, to get excited about, but the thought of being together forever. They were, there was excitement. His mother Mary was pledged to be married. There was excitement here. Joseph, I got to think, he was on cloud nine as he is thinking about this and moving forward with all of this. We see this word betrothed. All right, in the NIV, it says pledged to be married. 
Betrothed was a word that we relate a lot of times to engaged. You've probably heard that before. Uh, Mary and Joseph, they were engaged. But when we really dig in and we really think about it, this word betrothed goes way deeper. Okay, so because when we think about engagement, this is the, uh, the man coming to the woman and saying, will you marry me? And she says, yes, at some point I will, yes, I will marry you. Okay? But the word betrothed goes even deeper. Right? There, would have, there would have already been a deep commitment to each other. The word betrothed is to tell us that they are already man and wife. Right? They would have had this deep commitment. It would have been more final, more permanent, and more significant than an engagement. And, and here's the thing. Though they were not enjoying the benefits of marriage, they were considered man and wife. So when you think about this story and you put that into perspective, all right, this story and what takes place goes even deeper. There's even more feelings because that decision was already solidified. That relationship and commitment was already solidified. So that was the word betrothed. So his mother Mary was pledged to be married, betrothed to Joseph. And then what happens? And then it says, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. This is where the story takes a turn, right? Before they came together, gives us a little bit of insight, helps us out. Before they came together, this is here to assure that the prophecy of a virgin birth is about to take place. If we go back to Isaiah uh, 7, we'll find that prophecy um, from the prophet Isaiah. He says this, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. This is the prophecy that took place and here confirming before they were together to take away any doubt. Uh, scripture says before they were together. This assures and confirms the prophecy that was spoken years before. So here's my question. How is this conversation left out? Like I want, I don't know about you guys, I want to know this conversation. I want to see how this played out. Not to feel better about Janice and I's conversations in marriage, but I want to know, like, I want to know how this went. I want to know the emotions that happened around this conversation. I want to know how Joseph felt in the middle of it. I want to know how Mary approached Joseph with this. So when you think about it, and I read a couple things and I read a couple things that, uh, you know, kind of talk about and pictured that Mary came like ashamed or something like that. And I, I kind of don't agree with that. So I pictured this and I'm thinking about, obviously thinking about Janice and I in this. And when she comes to me and says, hey, I feel like the Lord is calling us into this. I feel like he's telling us this. Um, I came into this thinking that Mary came with such excitement to Joseph, right? Think about what Mary had experienced. An angel of the Lord comes to her and says, you will be the one, you are the, the one chosen to give birth to Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. Okay, was Mary excited or nervous? I think she was excited. I think, I mean, this is just me. I think that Mary came to Joseph with full excitement saying, Joseph, you are never going to believe this. An angel of the Lord came to me and spoke to me. Right? And Joseph's like, whoa, that's fine. You know, no, he's probably excited as well. An angel of the Lord came to me. 
And she's saying it, and then she, she gets to the part. She says, and Joseph, I'm pregnant. And then Joseph's like, what? what? Wait, okay, hold on. Did I just miss something? Whoa, wait a second. Okay, hang on. Let's back up for a second. I mean, have you ever wondered how this interaction went? I think Mary is coming excited. I think Joseph is probably confused and hurt. Have you ever, uh, spouses in here, have, have you ever, as uh, maybe the wife comes to the husband and, uh, and she's got some news and she feels a certain way, right? Like she's laughing and, and then all of a sudden the news is shared and the husband doesn't feel the same way that the wife feels. One time Janice came to me and uh, she, was, she was laughing. She was like, Sweetheart, you're never going to believe this. This is hilarious. I forgot to put the car in park and I drove through the garage and I was like, Okay, oh, excuse me, what? <laughs> what? Wait, wait, what? That's not good. Why are you, why are you laughing? This is, not, this is not good. I don't know what spectrum we're on right here, but this is not a good thing. I've got to fix it. I've got to, anyway. Um, and so I think Mary's coming to Joseph, and she, she's got this excitement because she met with an angel of the Lord. She experienced the Lord calling her to something big. And I think Joseph, I think Joseph hears this. And I think he so desperately wants to believe, but there's so many questions going in his mind. Like, is that really how this happened? I know Mary. Mary's, Mary was the one that I have given my life to. Is that really how it went? He's confused. He's probably working through some things in his mind already. He's asking all these questions. And the question, is, the question that I have is, did he trust Mary's vision and her word? I mean, I don't know. Did he trust exactly what she was saying? He heard her, and did he believe that what she saw was real? Did, she, did he believe that what she was experiencing was real? Did she believe that this calling was real? And most importantly, for Joseph, did he trust God's ways in this relationship? Did he trust how God was going to lead them for however many years they had together. Did, did Joseph trust God in this? So if you're like me, um, I'm kind of like, oh, what, I mean, what happens next? Like I want, I want more. And, and this interaction in these two passages of scripture, we don't get a whole lot. So we're going to, so we're going to see. So if you're like me, you want more, you want to see more. So here we go. Let's go to 19. 19 says this, because Joseph, her husband was faithful to the law. In other translations, it says he was righteous or he was just. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, a righteous, it, it, it only makes sense that the character of Joseph highlighted here are also characteristics that are true of Jesus. All right? So he saw importance, Joseph saw importance in trusting and following God's ways. That's what it meant that he was faithful to the law at that point. Whatever was asked of him that God asked of him, he did. And so he saw importance in trusting and following God's ways. That is huge for us. He goes on to say that um, because, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. Other passages say he's unwilling to put her to shame. And what does this tell us about Joseph? 
Let's stop for a second. Let's think about what this tells us about Joseph and specifically his relationship with Mary. Along with being righteous, Joseph was kind and compassionate, right? I mean, these are things, this is the reason that Mary loved him, that Mary was going to marry Joseph and would marry Joseph because of his character, because of the way that he loved her, the way that he treated her. He loved Mary deeply. He was unwilling to do the things. Now, back in that culture, this would have been justified. If something like this had happened, where two were betrothed, and one decided that they were going to go off uh, and do those things that Joseph probably had those thoughts of what Mary had done, they would be in their in right standing to go ahead and push them out of society. They would have been taken out. Uh, A lot of times back in that culture, it would have been right for them to have been stoned to death, all right? This was part of the culture, but because, so there's something big in here. He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He was unwilling to put her to shame. Why? Because even in the midst of like the possibility of, um, of this happening, he, he wanted the best for Mary. He loved Mary. He wanted the best for her. And we go on to, to see this. Because Joseph, her husband, was, was faithful to the law and he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind Right? I want to stop there. He had in mind. Now, your Bible might say resolved. He had resolved or he had in mind. And I think this is incredibly important. I think we have to stop and think about what Joseph was, like really consider what he was walking through and what he was considering. He wanted the best for Mary. He wanted her best. But he also didn't know what to do. Or he was also battling with this, to, to have resolve or resolution to make up in your mind comes from deep wrestle and a period of discernment. I think Joseph walked through that. I think it says he resolved instead of just saying, ah, he decided to this. No, he resolved in his mind that the thing that was best in this situation was what he was going to come up with. So in, in this period of discernment, he came to this resolution. Now, we don't have a whole lot of uh, Joseph's character and, uh, and specifically who he was and what he was like. And so I kind of like, I kind of dig into that a little bit. I love kind of trying to figure out what a little bit of their personality was. And so one of the other things that we know about Joseph, which I kind of love, we find in Matthew 13, uh, 55, if you want to jump over there real quick, just a quick passage. We see one little thing about Joseph. In uh, 1355, there are people who are talking about Jesus. They're discussing who he is. And in 55, they say this, Isn't this the carpenter's son? And isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? So we see something interesting here that I kind of love that I pulled out. Of course, I pulled this out about Joseph, but that he was a carpenter. Okay? Let's think about Joseph's life. All right, what he spent his time doing. One of the things that I love is I get to have conversations um, with people is learning like what they do and how the character and how God has wired them and the gifts that they have that God has given them point to and equip them to do the things that they're doing in their work. Okay, and so I think this is true. I think this is true of Joseph. 
So we know that Joseph was a, car- was a carpenter. So what does this mean about him? So I, uh, I turned to, we, I don't know if y'all knew this, we've got like some really uh, impressive um, carpenters, woodworkers. Gordon, you kind of bucked me on that. You're going to have to tell me the difference between a carpenter and a woodworker because uh, I don't think I really know. But we've got some guys in the church um, who are just like, uh, I'm amazed and blown away at the things that they can build. So I got a couple pictures of it here. I got uh, full permission from everybody. So if you need something built, this might be the place uh, to go. But um, uh, so here's what we got. So uh, over here on the left, we got uh, Gordon Fields. He builds absolutely beautiful uh, custom furniture, custom tables. Um, amazed, incredible. Uh, Guy Davidson. I don't know if y'all knew this about Guy, um, but Guy has learned how to build guitars. Guy, I tell you all the time, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. Like I would hate to hear how a guitar sounds that I built. I would hate that. But Guy builds custom guitars and beautiful Guitars. And then Kyle Hibbard, uh, he's over here. I love that none of y'all came to 915. Y'all are all in 11. Um, uh, so um, Kyle, he, Kyle pretty much builds anything. You just like kind of tell Kyle like, hey, here's a picture. And he's like, I got it. I, I can do that. And so Kyle builds beautiful furniture. So this is my brother. Um, and he, my brother doesn't go here. He leaves, lives in Chattanooga. But I'll just, I think about my brother in this too, because he's like such an incredible uh, craftsman. He does um, finishing work. And, and I, I look at, he sent me this bottom picture. And I don't know about you guys, that hurts. Like that hurts my mind uh, just to think about um, what that day looked like putting that, uh, that installed in a house. So anyway, so um, anyway, I asked these guys, and I also asked them this question, uh, is what qualities are important for a craftsman, for a, a woodworker? Or woodworker, not a, yeah, carpenter. Um, for a woodworker. I asked these guys, what are, what are, what are important? What are the um, qualities that are important? And this is what they said, it kind of um, collective. They said, somebody's got to be precision and detailed, all right? You can see that in... Uh, some of that work up there in, in a, a building a guitar and things like that. Precision and detailed, right? Like you focus on the details. You think it all through, every single piece of the build. Someone who is hardworking, like who's willing to put in the time and the effort and the energy in the work. Um, somebody who is patient, all right? Th- th- those take patience, a lot of patience, all right? right? What's the, what's the uh, saying? It's... Uh, Measure twice, cut once, okay? Measure twice, cut once. Patience, right? The patience to make sure that everything is right. You got problem solver. They said it's got to be somebody who's got problems. Problem comes up, you got to solve it. You see that in Joseph? We see that in Joseph. There's a problem that has arisen, that has, uh, that has come up. He's a problem solver. And then I love this one, um, the ability to see the big picture, right? You have to know where you're going. All right, as you walk through, as you, as you build, you have to know where you're going. Now, think about this. If they didn't embody these, they would likely not be considered a carpenter for very long, okay? If these were not traits, okay, I would ask you, I would ask you this, all right? When you are looking for somebody to come and renovate and redo your bathroom, would you look for someone who is not detailed, who is lazy, uh, who is impatient, who doesn't know how to solve a problem, or who has no idea where they're going with the final build? No, you don't want that person. You would fire him real, real fast. Like, they would be gone really quick. So a carpenter embodies these. Listen, I believe that Joseph embodied these characteristics. 
I believe that these were some of the things that God had wired him with, which is why he went on to do carpentry work. And so when you think about this, I think we can say that these are likely true of Joseph. These qualities bled into his seeking and his discerning in this time. We can say that he thought through every angle of this situation. I got to think for Joseph, and again, I wish we had more detail, but I think for Joseph, he labored over this decision, all right? No pun intended, but he, he labored over this decision. Like he was, he was thorough. He was, thought, he was thinking through all the details. He was asking himself questions. How could this be true? Is this, is this really true? Is this really true what Mary is telling me? What, what do I do now? Like what do I do now? I'm left in a really difficult spot. And I think if, the char- if these characteristics are true of Joseph, I think that he finds himself in the middle of this. And, and, and here's... So after a deep period of discernment, this is where Joseph lands. It says this, it says that he divorced, uh, he had resolved to divorce her quietly. So in Joseph's mind, this was, this was, the, this was the best route. It, this was not about him. It was not about his feelings. Right? Think about it. He, he's working through his mind that she has just done something that is uh, betrayed him, gone behind, uh, against him, behind his back. She, he is working through that, and yet his response is from care and concern. I heard Joseph's decision, Joseph's decision was actually considerate and filled with compassion. But, but here's the thing. This was Joseph's way forward. This is what Joseph had come up in his mind. It was his way um, I love Isaiah 55, 8 through 13. If you got your Bibles, let's go there. Um, Isaiah 55, 8 through 13. I love what it says here. Because Joseph, as he toils through this decision, um, he comes up with what he thinks is the best response to the news that Mary has given them and the best way for them to move forward. And Isaiah 55, one thing that I love about God is what he Um, says here, so in this chapter of Isaiah, um, God is giving his people a word, um, and he is speaking through the prophets, and God says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, not says the Lord, declares it. He He wants you to know it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And I'm going to keep going. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You think that Joseph is experiencing some of this? You think he's experiencing that God's ways are higher than his ways? That his word is not going to return void? That he will accomplish what he desires? That he's going to achieve the purpose for which he sent his son Jesus? Verse 12, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. 
Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, the Lord's fame, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. It's interesting that we take this season and we deeply focus on the joy that we find in this story. But I just wonder, this is what hit me this week, I wonder, have we stopped and considered what the joy came out of? Have you considered in the story of good news, of great joy, the turmoil, the decision-making, the agonizing over this, do you, do you understand what the joy came out of? The story and the lessons that God built in Joseph and Mary. Think about the deep hardship and grief, but, but God shows up in the middle of it. Great joy came out of great trouble uh, and fear. I want you to think with me for a second on a time where you, you kind of wondered about his ways. Maybe you questioned the way that things were going for a little bit, all right? And you kind of, you had questions. God, why are you, why are you leading, why are you taking us this way? Why, I'm confused. What, what is at the end of this? I just, I have questions. I have questions. I don't, my wife and I were talking about this week. I don't think it's bad that we wonder, that we ask those questions. God, what are you, I don't think it's bad that we ask God, what are you up to in this? I don't think those questions are bad. I think it's when the wonder turns to worry is then when we get into some difficult water. When wonder turns to worry, it's when, it's when the, the worry, uh, when it turns to worry that we have to rest deeper into trusting in him. So think of a time now where you were in awe and wonder of his ways, where you maybe got to the end of something and you said, man, God, you are good. I did not see this. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see it ending here. But God, you are, you are good. So many times the wondering, like our questioning, comes before the wonder. And why is that? I think it's Isaiah 55. I think it's that his ways, they're not our ways. The, the things that he, the big picture that he sees, he sees it. And, and, and a lot of times our ways, we miss his ways because we're so focused on our ways. So Matthew uh, 1, 20 through 25. We're through two verses, by the way, so we're going to get there. Um, I'm just kidding. We're going to go through these uh, last pretty quick. Um, I want you to see this, Matthew 1, 20 through 25. This is where God unfolds his plan uh, to Joseph. So Joseph is left. He is wondering. He's trying to figure it out. Right? He's, he's agonizing over this decision. And finally, he comes to resolve, but then something happens. In verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And this is where Joseph, even though he's asleep, he's about to wake up, but this is where he's going, wow, it's true. It's true. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
God with us. So, so then we see God unfolds his, his perfect plans, the way that he saw it going forward. He finally, now listen, I don't know. Like I, I just have so many questions around why God didn't reveal himself to both Mary and Joseph together. I don't know. I actually, I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to assume that maybe God had some deeper things in this for Joseph, that there were some things that Joseph needed to work through and walk through in the midst of this time, that he needed maybe confirmation for himself for what God was doing and the way that he was going to use Joseph and Mary. And God unfolds this beautiful plan, the good news, the good news of great joy that we celebrate. And then we see why he chose Joseph. Let's look at Joseph's response. This is what he says. This is the trust and obedience that, um, that I see in this story that's good for us. 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Did you see that? When Joseph woke, he did exactly what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Now, I got to think, like, in Joseph's story, he went from just incredible joy at the thought of finding the one to this deep hurt and, and uh, trying to figure things out and walking through that season to then going, yes, God, yes, like back on track, like back to what I was so excited about. So the joy has returned. Um, Ligon Duncan says this um, in another quote talking about Joseph. He says, God is calling Joseph to believe his word and to act in accordance with it. And Joseph does just that. He accepts God's word, and he trusts God's word, and he relies upon God's word, and he reorients his life to conform to that word. What a tremendous act of faith on the part of Joseph, and what an example of obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances. This, as uh, we talk about um, this just kind of limited picture of what we get of everything that Joseph went through here, I think we can reflect on God's ways through the story of Joseph. And here's, this is what I was reminded of this week. And I pray that this, is, that this is good for you, that maybe the Lord solidifies this and reminds you of this moving into uh, this season. I was reminded of his guidance. I was reminded of his guidance that the Lord guides his people as they reflect on his word. Right, we see that in Joseph's life, that God helped him and, and guided him in the midst of this time. We see, and I'm reminded of God's character, that God calls us to justice and kindness in order that we might mirror his image. We see that in Joseph's character, in the way that he acted, the way that he loved Mary. His character was a reflection of God. I see it in his calling. Joseph, he responded with trust and obedience. Trust and obedience are the ways that God intends us to walk, to trust in him and to obey him when he calls us to something. My hope is the story of Joseph um, just kind of opens up that wonder of the way that God works. And sometimes we don't know because it's beyond our understanding of how he works and the things that he is doing. Sometimes we don't fully understand. But, but my hope is you see that God's, his word is good and he loves his children and he's going to lead his children in the same way he did with Joseph in the same way with us. And so, um, as we close this morning, I kind of want to look back to, um, to our Advent candles um, that, we, that we lit. I want us to consider 
uh, I want us to consider, I'm going to call them the Josephs uh, in our life, right? Because a lot of times we uh, are here now and we find great joy and we celebrate the great joy. But thinking back then, I can't imagine that uh, this Christmas season was filled with great joy at certain points um, for Joseph because of what he was walking through on earth. And so I want to consider the Josephs um, in our life. So we're going to close this morning. Hopefully, y'all, y'all are good with that. This morning, we lit the Advent candle of joy, and we recognize that God sent his son as our Savior, our Messiah. We recognize that. We celebrate that when we come in this room. And sometimes our circumstances might bring us joy, but Jesus came great joy. Remember, bring you good news of great joy. Um, if I can be honest with you, uh, this was a really hard week. Um, I can't, I, when we think about the candle of joy, I can't help but think about um, maybe some people, some families um, that they're having a really, really hard time finding earthly joy right now. And a lot of times when you're not finding earthly joy, it is really, it is exponentially more difficult to see the good news of great joy. And so um, walk through a couple things uh, this week and um, um, just thinking about some, some, uh, some loved ones, um, some families who have lost loved ones. Uh, I have a family uh, that some of our um, students know and are close to, um, a family who lost their uh, daughter who was a senior this past week. Um, and I just, uh, being at the celebration of life, incredibly hard watching what some of our students are, are, are walking through in the midst of that, thinking about that in this season and in this time. Um, yesterday we had a celebration of life for um, where um, a, a husband celebrated his wife who went to be with Jesus, Cheryl Walmart. Um, thinking about family members, uh, I think about this for us, and I feel like I hear this so much recently, but family members who have lost connection with each other just because of turmoil difficulties, won't be spending the holidays together because can't see eye to eye, and um, I think about some of that. So I just think about this week about maybe the Josephs who in this season are having a more difficult time focusing on the great joy that's found in the good news of the gospel um, because they're just not experiencing joy right here on earth. And so as we close, um, here's what I want us to do. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And can I just give you guys a couple of minutes to maybe just consider those? Maybe when I said that, you have somebody that came to your mind immediately. You're going, man, I know this, I know this family is struggling right now. Can I just encourage you to pray for them? I just encourage you to pray for them that they would see great joy in the midst of tragedy that they would see great joy in uh, this season. I'm going to encourage you, give you some time to pray for them. Does that sound good? Can we do that? Finishing, focusing on us and what we can learn. Let's, let's finish and let's focus on um, those that we know that are walking through um, certain things. So let's pray. I'll close and then y'all can take um, just a couple minutes um, to pray. Father God, we, um, we give you thanks uh, for this season. There's great joy that is found in the good news of the gospel. We give you thanks um, for that, Father. But we also recognize, and I recognize just um, in seeing it firsthand this week, there's hurt. It's, it's just 
Um, we're just not, a, it's just can be hard to experience that great joy um, here. And so, God, I just lift up uh, these families that are hurting, um, this family that lost their um, a dear loved one and husband who lost a wife and families that are um, even struggling to um, struggling to have children, families that are um, that are far apart. God, in, in all these situations, Father, we lift them up to you right now, just asking that, um, God, that they would turn to you and find great, great joy in you. Um, so, God, we just, uh, we, li- we lift them up to you right now.